Thank you for tuning us in. I'm Daryl Bailey. As we look to new heart, new spirit. Thank you for tuning us in. New heart, new spirit as we continue our series in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel for tonight, chapter 31, verses 1 through 18. Here, July the 12th, 2023, the 23rd of Tammuz, 5783 of the Hebrew calendar. Thank you for tuning us in tonight as we look at our Wednesday in the Word. And so, in the book of Ezekiel, we come to the 27th of our series uh, that we're in as we look at new heart, new spirit. You know, for those of us who have grown complacent or cold in our walk with God, we all could use a new heart. And it outlines this series of how God desires to bring us closer to him. It's not just an old book that was thousands of years ago wrote just to a people of the nation of Israel that had gone through a captivity. It is so real that even though that this was wrote so long ago, it still applies to us today. And so we look and we begin to realize that this prophecy of Ezekiel is a promise to every one of us. Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. And here we look at service for Christ. He tells us in Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statues and keep my ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. And so, as we continue on, the second reference of our new heart, new spirit, when we look tonight out of Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put uh, within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And here, Ezekiel has been prophesying. We come up to, again, uh, the passage of continuation of God's coming judgment on the nation of Israel. I mean, excuse me, of Egypt. Excuse me. And when we look at New Heart Near Spirit, we see that Egypt will descend and cease as did Assyria. We look at verses 1 through 9, how that the prophecy that Ezekiel was referring to goes back to the splendor of how wonderful Assyria was and how that Assyria's greatness in verses 1 through 9, Assyria's fall in verses 10 through 14, and then Assyria's burial in verses 15 through 18. Here we are reminded of the scripture, remember that great cedar referring to the nation of Assyria. And so Egypt is being compared to the greatness of Assyria, how that it failed, and how that it will decease just as Assyria did. And so Egypt is described as a mighty cedar of Lebanon towering above all of the other trees, and the birds rested in its branches. Animals gave birth under its shade, but soon the tree was corrupted by pride, and God ordered the Babylonian woodchoppers to hew it down. So we look 
even as Ezekiel chapter 31 deals with the world of the dead, all that it pertains to the, uh, uh, the continuation of judgment upon the nation of Egypt. God gave Ezekiel seven prophecies concerning Egypt, the messages that were to be preached to the exiles in Babylon. And so each of these seven uh, messages, they give a different description of the coming judgment of Egypt. We are, we'll be including three of them and lack one more when we next time we'll deal with Ezekiel chapter 32 that will finish up the final seven of the uh, messages of judgment upon the nation of Egypt. And because of the length of Ezekiel's messages, they're being divided into studies that are brought up in different parts. That's why I'm breaking them down. And so, of the seven descriptions of coming judgment, that we look at, we've talked about in chapters 29 all the way to chapter 32, which we'll finish up with next time. We see the sin of Egypt in uh, verses 1 through 16, back in Ezekiel chapter 29, and then also we talked about the defeat of Egypt by Babylon in verses 17 through 21 of Ezekiel chapter 29. Now, what do we see? We saw God's judgment that would slay the monstrous leaders of nations and the citizens who followed them. It was a picture of God's controlling the fate of nations in verses 1 through 16. And then God's judgment would pay the wages due. It was a picture of the wages of sin and the rewards for service in verses 17 through 21. Last time. We talked about the judgment of Egypt in part one. The picture, we see the picture frame and how God is a picture of controlling the fate of the nations that we talked about. Then the other picture was that we saw uh, as we look at this picture that it continued on in Ezekiel chapter 29. It was a picture of the wages of sin and the rewards for service that we talked about. Then we also in Ezekiel chapter 30, part 2, we talked about the destruction of Egypt and her allies and the scattering of Egypt in Ezekiel chapter 30, verses 20 through 26, where we saw God's judgment would be a stormy, sad day of doom, a picture of the day of the Lord. And then we talked about God's judgment would break the arm of the powerful. It was a picture of calamity and ruin due to self sufficiency. As we look at those pictures and we begin to realize that uh, as that picture of the day of the Lord that is coming one of these days, that day of judgment, as Isaiah 34, 8 says, for it's the day of the Lord's vengeance, the year of recompense for the cause of Zion. We see a picture of the day of the Lord that we talked about in Ezekiel chapter 30, verses 1 through 19. And then also we talked about a picture of Therefore, a calamity that will come upon him suddenly in, in an instant that he will be shattered beyond recovery, as Proverbs 6.15 talks about, a picture of calamity and ruin due to self-sufficiency. All of this in the regards to the nation of Egypt, how that they interfered, how they caused harm to the nation of Israel, that they're going to pay uh, for this. And remember what we talked about. All of this will exceed on into the future of the millennium of that 40 years that Egypt will be desolate. And so, then today, 
or tonight we see uh, of the last three messages that are covered uh, that we see in part three, a similarity of Egypt and Assyria that we're talking about tonight. How that God's judgment would cut down the towering nation as a tree. It's a picture of the proud that is being humbled. From verses 1 through 18 of Ezekiel chapter 31 that we'll be talking to tonight. We see uh, that picture frame. How pride slays thanksgiving, but an humble mind is the soil out of which thanks naturally grow. A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. Henry Ward Beecher that begin to write this quote. But it's a picture of the proud being humbled. That's exactly what God will do when he gets done with the nation of Egypt for what they have done to the nation of Israel. And so every one of us, as we look and, and we begin to realize that um, of this description of what God is doing, here we see the splendor of a massive tree uh, and how that there's an introduction to the prophecy regarding uh, Egypt because it uh, in the 11th year, the third month on the first day of the month, that was the word that the Lord came to uh, Ezekiel, son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude. And so this is where we begin to look and we see uh, that the continuation of God's coming judgment upon the proud nation of Egypt. God gave Ezekiel seven prophecies concerning Egypt that he was to preach that to the exiles in Babylon, and each message gives a different description of that coming judgment upon Egypt, amen. And so, as we talked about this, and we look, we begin to realize next time we're going to be talking about the last of those seven uh, descriptions of part four, the lament for Pharaoh and the descent of Egypt into Sheol uh, in verses 17 through 32, how that next time that we see God's judgment will capture the nation's leader and citizens, and it will be a picture of inescapable judgment. Also, last but not least, in verses 17 through 31 of Ezekiel 32, we'll see God's judgment that would send the wicked down to the pit. This is a picture of people being condemned to hell. The judgment day is inescapable. As 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, there's no place to hide. Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, the futility of trying to escape. And as Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, God is no respecter of persons. And so, a picture of inescapable judgment in verses 1 through 16. Next time, oh so next time, we'll see uh, how that uh, uh, there's a picture of being, uh, people being condemned to hell Next time in Ezekiel 32, verses 17 through 32. Now, as we get into uh, tonight's, we look and we see all of the kingdom of Egypt. All here as we come through the Nile. And how that we look at Memphis is here. Uh, and as we come down through Thebes, all the way through the entirety of Egypt. And we look at how that tonight, as it talks about this, this is the uh, CIA's uh, pictures of, of the, the political and the agricultural part of, as we look at Egypt and Cairo, Alexandria, all here down to this area, and Egypt as it's in this area as well, that we begin to look at how that God is going to deal with the nation of Egypt itself. When we start out, we see 
that it tells us, and it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the third month, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, a picture of the proud being humbled. In other words, Ezekiel's fifth prophecy against Egypt. It's an allegory on Pharaoh's fall. And so each one of these, they're either two or to one of each one of these prophecies that comes to pass. And so as we look at this, we begin to realize that as uh, the scripture uh, tells us uh, of the fall that was caused by pride. And we look and we begin to realize that uh, God's judgment would cut down the towering prideful nation of Egypt. The prideful nation of an individual person that will be humbled by God for the prideful guiltiness of humble themselves above others, of Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt itself that will be degraded, humiliated, and therefore God stands against all who oppress others. Every nation across this world that is oppressing the people of that nation and of this world, God will stand against them one of these days. God stands against all who become guilty of sinful pride, no matter who the person or the nation is. Your day is coming. Judgment will deal with you just as God dealt with the nation of Egypt. And so the Egyptians thought that their, their nation stood head and shoulders above all the rest, that it was the greatest nation in the history of the world. But down through the years, their arrogance led to the Pharaohs and other Egyptian leaders to brutally oppress other nations. And so God's judgment was going to cut down that towering, prideful nation. And so we look how Ezekiel preached this message on the first day of the third month of the 11th year of his exile, which was June the 21st, 587 B.C. This was almost two months after he preached the fourth of the seven messages back in Ezekiel chapter 30 verses 20 through 26. And at that very time, the very, very mighty um, uh, time of, of uh, army of Babylon, as we'd say, had Jerusalem under siege, a siege that was going to lead to the collapse and the utter destruction of the capital of Judah. Those that were critical and very terrifying days for the Jewish people in Jerusalem. But keep in mind that it was also a heart-trending time for all of the exiles. For they loved Jerusalem, and many of them still had family members back there. And so, as we go forward, we're going to see how Ezekiel compared Egypt's greatness to that of the fallen Assyrian Empire. How that great nation of Assyria was so great and mighty for so long. And like the Assyrians... The Egyptians used their great economic wealth and their military power to terrorize and oppress other nations. And so, therefore, Egypt needed to remember what had happened to Assyria. And so, before its fall, Assyria had been like Egypt. It had been a nation that towered over other nations. And so, let me get back and read this one. Son of man, speak unto Pharaoh king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom art thou like in thy greatness? And so, we go on, he says in verse 3, 
Behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon with fair branches and with a shadowing shroud and with a, a, a high statue, and his top was among the thick boughs. You know, when we look at this, we begin to realize that it was just like a mighty cedar of Lebanon that had a thick canopy that provided shade for everything underneath it, as it tells us in verse 3. Just as the great Nile River flourished Egypt, deep springs and streams, they nourished Assyria. He tells us that the waters made him great and the deep set him up on high with her rivers running round and about uh, his plants and uh, set out her little rivers under all of the trees of the field. And so here we see that uh, uh, that great Nile River nourished everything from that time. Remember what we talked about last time. When, they blunt, when the nuclear plant, when it explodes, it's going to take out everything down through the Nile River, which all of the major cities are right along uh, the base of the shorelines of the Nile, and it's going to eliminate everything in a grid all the way across Egypt when God takes this uh, judgment upon them. These springs and these streams, they symbolize the abundant resources and natural wealth that are enabled Assyria to become that great empire. Now, as the Russians begin to come in and uh, build with uh, those uh, of, of this great power plant that has come in, just uh, little minor bombs, they won't do it. It'll take two atomic bombs to blow this, uh, this nuclear uh, power plant, uh, this uh, hydroelectric power plant that has been built with the Russians' help, and it will annihilate everything up the Nile in the entire country of Egypt itself. And so, as we look, it tells us, therefore, his height was exalted above all the trees of the field, and his boughs were multiplied and his branches became long because of the multitude of waters when he shot forth. And so we see that though the years the Assyrians grew to be so tall and mighty as that cedar of Lebanon, that it towered over all of the other trees, all of the other nations, and all the fowls of heaven made their nest in his boughs, and under his branches did all of the beasts of the field bring forth they're young and under his shadow dwelt all great nations. And so we see that Assyria was a majestic, glorious tree because of the wealth and the benefits. And so the mightiest of trees, its branches, power and territory spread as far and wide as the birds and the animals, which all other nations came to live in its protective shade. We see that thus was he fair in his greatness in the length of his branches, for his root was by great waters. And so Assyria was that glorious tree of wealth that flowed throughout the empire. And just like the Egyptians, the Assyrians believed that no nation, people, tree could equal them. They thought that not, that not even the Garden of Eden, God's very own creation, could match Assyria's beauty. Read the word of God's with me when we see it. And the cedars in the garden of God could not hide him, and the fir trees 
were not like his boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like his branches, nor any tree in the garden of God was like unto him in his beauty. What a mockery of God, knowing that God created everything. And so, as Ezekiel is preaching his heart out, as he's preaching of the semblance of how Assyria's power was great, so in comparison to the greatness of it that Egypt is, that they're going to decease and they're going to cease to exist as Assyria did as well. And so they thought that, they, they, that not even the Garden of Eden, God's very own creation, could match Assyria's beauty. What a mockery of God. But we see also in verse 9 that the Assyrians overlooked one crucial fact. God had made Assyria great. Assyria didn't do it. Their kings didn't do it. God did. God made America great. There ain't no one in this world that can take credit for none of that. There ain't a political party that can take the, the credit for it. God made the nation of America great because he desired to make us great, and he can make us ungreat. And so, I have made him fair by the multitude of his branches so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. What a mockery. Whether the Assyrians recognized the fact or not, God himself was the source of the Assyrians' wealth and power and all the blessings that the people and the nations would enjoy. And so, uh, basically, uh, when we look at this, we realize that it comes directly from the hand of God. The Assyrians' ignorance of the Lord. The fact that he's the only living and true God that, that could not alter the truth that God is the giver of every blessing bestowed upon the human race. Let's stop right here at verse 9. And before we go any further, Father, thank you so much for your greatness of the nation of America. You made us great. You can make us small. Father, you made everything that has blessings across this country. The many people that have jobs, many of them that's never even give a thought to you, Father. Many of them that have been blessed don't even give a thought to you. But the only thing that they've got coming is in this walks of life. But in the next life, if they don't get on the right track, if they don't make a change, this is all of heaven they'll ever have to look forward to because they don't have eternity forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, et cetera, ever and ever. May I state that, Father, in my prayer that theirs will be a swift judgment like the nation of Egypt in the depths of hell forever and ever and ever, where the worm dieth not. Father, you are a God of judgment. You are a God of judgment, but you're a God of love. And Lord, you created hell for the devil and his angels, not for anyone else. But Lord, when they force your hand, when they make mockery of you by not choosing you, the creator. They didn't just bang and something happened in this world, Father. You spoke everything into existence. You spoke the rivers. You spoke the earth. You spoke the sunlight. You spoke living life, breath. You created the first man and you breathed the breath of life into him. And from then on, life continued on. And then you took from Adam what was dearest and next to him, that rib, and you made woman for him. You didn't make another man, and you didn't make a woman for a woman. You made a woman for a man. 
And that's how you established the principles, the wonderful word of God of how that you established everything in society today. Father, God help this great nation that is soon and is already becoming a small nation because Lord, not only did it overturn the Roman Empire, but it will also destroy the United States of America and any nation that goes against the word of God that thought they were as great as Assyria and as Egypt as comparison will be brought down to the lowest and humbled. And so, Father, touch the scripture tonight. And if there's somebody that's listening tonight through Bible study, I pray that you may the holy anointing of God touch their hearts, open their eyes, and let them have an understanding of wisdom to receive the great blessing that you have in store for them tonight from the book of Ezekiel where you judge one of the mightiest nations and you can judge all of the other nations that are out there that oppress people and that downtrodden upon them through religion, through politics, and through dictatorship and through all of the other uh, means that they do to overtake the rights of people and women across this nation. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. And so, as we continue on, in verse 10, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast lifted up thyself in height, and he hath shot up his top among the thick boughs, and his heart is lifted up in his height, referring to the big cedar tree of Lebanon. Assyria's fate was a strong warning to God. Uh, warning to Egypt, excuse me. And as great as Assyria had been, God had condemned that mighty nation because of its sinful pride and its abuse of power towering high above all of the other nations, that it used its power to dominate and to oppress all of the weaker nations. The Assyrians had the, the reputation of being ruthless, savage people. And so, because of their wickedness, God's hand of judgment fell upon the Assyrians. And so, I have therefore delivered him into the hand of the mighty one of the heathen. He shall surely deal with him, and I've driven him out for his wickedness. Now, when we look at this, and we begin to realize that in verse 11 of how God is dealing with uh, uh, the, the nation of Egypt, and how that he is going to uh, take care of uh, these things. We look and we see that not only the splendor of this massive tree, uh, the strength and the greatness of the tree of Assyria uh, that he's talking about, but also of all this greatness that they're, that they're dealing with. We see that, that, uh, that it talks about how that in its shadow, all the great nations made their home. And so when we look and begin to realize the incomparable greatness of the massive tree of Assyria, that it's talking about the beautiful greatness, the length of its branches. No tree in the garden of God was like it in its beauty. God represented the other nations of the world as other trees, such as cedars and or the fir or the chestnut. None of them compared to Assyria in its day. Yet even this was the work of God because Yahweh said, I made it beautiful. But I thank God when we look 
at not only the splendor of that massive tree in verses 1 through 9, but in verses 10 through 18, the destruction of that massive tree. Because directed by God himself, the foreigners cut down the massive tree of Assyria. And I tell you, it was a fall that was caused by pride. And he tells us, he said, what in verse 11? I have therefore delivered him into the hand of the mighty one of the heathen. He shall surely deal with him, and I have driven him out of his wickedness. And so uh, we see that because that they had increased in height and its heart was lifted up in its height, the mighty tree, that uh, Assyria became proud and arrogant, and God would judge and humble them through the hand of the mighty one of the nations of Nebuchadnezzar. God would use that same mighty one to bring judgment to Egypt. And so we detect uh, more of a satanic impulse to the pride uh, that's here because we see that out of all of this that's transpiring in verse 11 uh, that it's talking about, uh, the association with Egypt, with Assyria, can also be seen in light of the timing of this prophecy. Just before the final fall of Jerusalem, when some in Jerusalem still looked to Egypt for help, Assyria was a great power, but an enemy to Judah and no friend. And so Egypt would also be of no help at all to Judah, especially in the last days before the Babylonian conquest that we see here. And so as it goes forward, it tells us uh, that it says, and strangers, the terrible of the nations, in verse 12, have cut him off and have left him upon the mountains and in all the valleys. His branches are fallen and his boughs are broken by all the rivers of the land. And all the people of the earth are gone down from his shadow and have left him. And so, when we look at verse 12, we see the Assyrians reap what they had sown at the hands of a nation far more ruthless than Assyria itself. The mighty nation cut it down, shattered its branches, the nation that made up an empire. And so the Syrians had the reputation of being savage and ruthless. And so when we look and we begin to realize that out of this, we see in verse 13, Upon his ruin shall all the fowls of the heaven remain. All of the beasts of the field shall be upon his branches. And to the end that none of all the trees by the waters exalt themselves for their height, neither shoot up, their top among the thick boughs, neither their trees stand up in their height. All that drink water, for they are all delivered unto death to, to the neither parts of the earth in the midst of the children of men with them that go down to the pit. And so here the destruction of an unmatched splendor that is talking about of a fallen tree upon the ruin shall all the fowls of heaven remain and all the beasts of the field shall be upon its branches. And to the end that none of all the trees by the waters exalt themselves for their height or the thick boughs, neither do they stand up because all of this has been brought down low. And so we see that Ezekiel said that the fate of Assyria was a warning to all the proud of the earth, not just to the nation of Egypt, but all who arrogantly seek to tower over others are doomed to go down to the pit of Sheol, the grave, the underworld, or to hell, for that matter. And so, we continue on, he tells us, Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when he went down to the grave, I caused a mourning, I covered the deep for him, and I restrained the floods thereof, and the great waters were stayed, and I caused Lebanon to mourn for him, and all the trees of the field fainted for him. You know, it's good that we got the Holy Spirit, we can quote things, we can say things, 
but there ain't nothing like showing and reading the Word of God and sticking to the Word of God. Many a people get up and they can talk zigzag from A to Z, but they need to stick to the tr to the true the truth of it, and that is the Word of God. That when we get up and speak, we need to be speaking about the Word. We don't need to be talking about the government. We don't need to be talking about all of these other things. We need to stick to the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, you can talk about it all day. There ain't a thing in the world you can do about it. The pandemic showed you that. No matter what you think you can do, you're not powerful enough to do anything without God. The government can do whatever the government wants to do uh, in any country of the world, and they, and they do so. But the only one that's more powerful than the United States or our government or the White House or anybody is Almighty God. And so you can get up and talk about it. You can zing-zang it, dance around it, and talk about it every day that you want to. There ain't a thing in the world that you can do about it. So why don't you stick to the truth of the Word of God? Because every day that we're here, it is the only thing that matters is this truth of the Word of God. And so anyone that's arrogant, arrogant, that have the pride as the nation of Pharaoh, their day's coming. Your day in court, you're going to get it, as the old saying is. The Assyrians descended to the pit, and it was a strong warning to Egypt about this fifth verse, that on the very day that the judgment fell upon Assyria, God stopped its rivers and dried up its water supply. And so that's the power that God has. God can do things that no one else he cut off all the resources that had made the nation prosperous in Assyria. And the nation began, became worthless and God himself made it wicked people to mourn. And so the news of the Assyrian fall, it caused Lebanon to mourn and the other trees and Assyria's allies to wither away. And at the sound of its fall, all of the nations trembled with fear. You know, if God would send so great a power down to the pit, they knew that they, too, were doomed to descend into hell, as we read in verse 16. And I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall when I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit and all the trees of Eden and the choice and the best of Lebanon. All that drink water shall be comforted in the neither parts of the earth. You can watch every political speech that's said, quote it, dance to it, tap dance to it, hum to it. You ain't making a bit of difference. All you're doing is keeping up with all the corruption that's being said and stressing yourself out about nothing because there's not a thing you can do about it. And ain't a thing nobody else can do about it. Again, I repeat myself, only God can do something. And you look for a leader to change things. And I'm going to tell you the only one that can change things is who God lets come and change those. And right now, Joe Biden may be the very punishment that America deserves because God allowed something to happen, whether it was deceptive or whatever it was, it's happening. And God says, I'm going to get your attention one of these days. I'm going to get you back on your knees. I'm going to get you back in your prayer closet somehow or another because, listen, I can't get your attention no other way. I'm going to get it through the politics. I'm going to get it through these uh, politicians. I'm going to get it through the White House. I'm going to get it through the deception and all of these people that are deceiving America today. Whether it's truthful or not, God says, I'm going to get your attention. And so, all of the wicked of the earth and all the allies who have taken part in the oppressive brutality and the wickedness of Assyria were sent to the underworld as we read on. They also went down into hell with him unto them that be slain with a sword, and they that were, were his arm 
that dwelt under his shadow in the midst of the heathen. And so God's perspective always differs from the human perspective. For God sees behind the scenes of the material world. And he knows that all the nations and the people fall because of what? Sinful pride. Sinful pride. Having told the audience how God viewed the fall of Assyria in comparison to Egypt, Ezekiel is preaching his heart out. And he is prophesying. And Ezekiel reached the moment of his message. And he said that Assyria's collapse and descent into hell was the strong warning to Egypt. The great Egyptian nation would suffer the same punishment. As lastly, and to whom art thou thus like in glory and in greatness among the trees of Eden? Yet shall thou be brought down with the trees of Eden unto the neither parts of the earth. In other words, Egypt. Thou shalt lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that be slain by the sword that is Pharaoh and all his multitude, saith Lord God. And so, Pharaoh and all of his uh, people that would be sent to the pent of the underworld of hell. Pride is a horrible evil in the sight of God. We become guilty of sinful pride uh, when we exalt ourselves above others. And, ex and exalting self degrades, it shames, it humiliates others. Sinful pride causes a person to become conceited and uh, uh, egotistical, in, in, so to speak. They, they exalt themselves above others that can lead us to mistreat people through prejudice, discrimination, favoritism, partiality, and exalting themselves above others some leaders become so oppressive and brutal and violent that I'm fixing to show you an example of some of the nations that do this very thing, that their day is coming and their leadership is coming as well. Such rulers that abuse their own citizens as well as oppress people of other nations. That's why God hates pride, according to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, that says that it will lead to destruction. And so... God tells us, he says, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. No king and no nation can escape that judgment, not even Egypt. And so, what are the most religiously oppressed countries? North Korea? Oh, God. What a devil. I ain't no telling how many demons are hanging out in that country. Erutria. Uh, Erutria. These two are... Uh, among the worst of the religious oppressed countries, but of several others, Afghanistan, where the Christian and Muslim religions are controlled by the state. Afghanistan, Myanmar, Somalia, Sudan, Pakistan, Libya, Iraq, Yemen, India, and Iran. All of these flags are the very countries that just like Egypt, are the ones that oppress people and they are oppressive and brutal and violent. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I thank God, as Joshua tells us in the book of Joshua, but he that giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And so every one of us, when we begin to look and we begin to see that what God is doing, that one of these days of all the things that are going to take place 
uh, of the splendor of a massive tree, the destruction of a massive tree that directed by God that the foreigners would cut down that massive tree. And uh, of all the unmatched splendor of that fallen tree, I'm out of time. But I'm going to tell you, uh, as he tells us about all of these things, uh, here we see all of this dismantling of the gods of the nations, which in turn, the dismantling of the gods of Judah had begun in the wrong areas of the proclamation that Yahweh is the only one and true and living God, that Egypt will descend and cease as did Assyria. There'll be one more judgment upon the nation of Egypt as Egypt will descend and cease as did as we look and we begin to realize that uh, uh, as he uh, uh, prophesies this, this uh, forthcoming of what's going to take place, we're going to see one more judgment, the seventh judgment, uh, the, the sixth and the seventh judgment that will come upon the nation of Egypt. In Ezekiel chapter 32, that will get done with Egypt's prophesying, and it will get on further into uh, our story of uh, the rest of the mighty book of, of, of Ezekiel, of a new heart, new spirit. God bless you, Father. We're so thankful for all that you're doing. We ask you, Lord, to bless us with your presence. And Lord, give us the strength to continue on as the men and women of God. Here, let us be a strong nation, the same that have formed us from the very beginning. Lord, through our forefathers, may we be a biblical nation under God, undivisible with liberty and justice for all. May we stick to the prayers as a nation to lift up the oppressed, the downtrodden. May we help those ones that are in need and give blessings and love to the unloved. As the nation of America, you have flourished us to be a one that would go help other nations that are in trouble. Thank you, Father for this great nation and for this great United States of America that at any time you could make small. We're so thankful for your love, your mercy, and your kindness. In Jesus' marvelous mighty name, amen. God bless you.